Hello, Catherine here. If you're listening to my podcast because you're a fan of wintering, the good news is that my new book, Enchantment, is available now. It's a book about how we can find a way to reconnect with a world that's sometimes hard to live in and even to find magic there. It's available in all good bookshops and please support your local indie if you can. For more information, you can go to katherine-may.com forward slash enchantment. Happy reading. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, Catherine here. Before we launch into this week's podcast, I just want to tell you two things. Firstly, for anyone dreaming of writing their own creative non-fiction book, maybe a memoir, travelogue or family history, my online course, Writing Your True Story, launches in September. For more information, click the link in the show notes. Secondly, this is the last episode in the current series as I'm taking a pause during August to get some writing done. If you've not listened to all the episodes already, now's your chance to binge But first of all, enjoy my conversation with the brilliant Ramona Ali. Hello and welcome to the Wintering Sessions with me, Catherine May. Each week I talk to a writer who's experienced a wintering period where they felt frozen out of the world. And this week I'm delighted to introduce journalist and broadcaster Ramona Ali. Welcome Ramona. Hi Catherine and thanks for having me. Oh, I know I'm we so tried excited. before. And we, then we went yeah. into a two-hour chat. <laughs> we should we should own up to, to up. there's a whole load of stuff we need to own up to, isn't there, at the beginning of this podcast? <laughs> because uh, yeah, first of all, we tried this once before and um, it just failed. Um, and you ended up or sick- succeeded. Yeah, yeah, depending it was, on how it you was look lovely. At it. I had the best time. Um, and you ended up sitting in your <laughs> wardrobe talking to me for like two hours. <laughs> I'm back in my wardrobe again. <laughs> I love this vision of you in your wardrobe. 
Um, but that is because we went to school together by some yeah. weird coincidence. Um, yeah. And yeah. yeah, many, many years ago, we went to the I same know. school in Kent and uh, yeah. in Rochester. And I think we reconnected many years later. I think you connected with me on, on Twitter. Well, so yeah, and, so um, I saw you be retweeted or something on Twitter and I recognised the name instantly. But because I'm face blind, of course, I had no idea if it was you or not. And <laughs> I spent a little while looking at faces. thought, nope, not a clue. Um, and so I sent you a tweet like, are you the Ramona that I went to school with? <laughs> <laughs> it was so cool. That was such a lovely moment, actually. I was like, oh, my goodness. Because obviously your surname has changed. Yes. And, um, yeah, course, yeah. and I was yeah. like, wow, she's this big hot shot. I knew she would always be that. Because I was so, I love, I mean, at school, I was just so in awe of you. You were so confident so and so clever. So and like, bizarre. obviously, and I think nothing's really changed in that regard. Oh, yeah, Still obviously, yeah. Way. I mean, you know, I'm just exuding <laughs> cleverness when I'm uh, in the 20 minutes that we've just spent for me trying to sort the sound out on my podcast. <laughs> can't even do the basics honestly <laughs> look you're doing a podcast this is amazing and the book that i've been reading wintering as well it's just so it's just so beautiful oh thank um, you so beautiful oh. and what you're doing is just so brilliant just like talking to different people about wintering sessions oh, wintering periods i'm loving it's it it's so resonant it really resonates it's amazing yeah. i've been listening to them so yeah thank you so much for having me oh no well it's so lovely to be there and it was just it was lovely last time to catch up on like what is it 20 years worth of more than 20 years worth of life um yeah that's <laughs> yeah it's 20 kind of... years and two hours it was it was yeah it was full it throttle, was a lot wasn't it? yeah I learned a lot but I think um you know like mm. I, I guess we don't ever expect to be part of an old girls network going to a state mm. school and it's just always so lovely to talk to someone that's in the same you know industry as you anyway but when you've got history with that yeah. person it's amazing so um yeah. so exciting <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah it, is. <laughs> it is. It's so exciting. It's just so wonderful sitting in my wardrobe talking to Catherine. I know. Gagey, as was. Yes. <laughs> from school. I know. I, yeah. I uh, could never have written under that surname because no one could ever pronounce it. So um, you're probably one of the few people who can actually do it, which is really <laughs> exciting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. So since I knew you at school, um, you have become a kind of uber journalist and broadcaster on Muslim spirituality would that be fair to say yeah that's definitely part of it yeah so on faith on uh, identity lifestyle culture um I've really kind of really like been interested in exploring like what people believe how they feel their spirituality mm. and just like you know everything to do with life because it's just very holistic i see faith is very holistic and yeah. you know it's not not in a vacuum so there's so many sides to to who i am and my personality and my writing and i just wanted to you know, always like be authentic to that yeah um, absolutely and yeah. that really comes across <laughs> and i and that's a little bit about what we're going to talk about today isn't it that I think what you do is you talk so beautifully about real life as a Muslim woman. You know, it's you're you're not a romanticizer necessarily. You kind of dig into those quandaries of real life that you've experienced. Mm, yeah, 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 definitely. Because it's really important to be honest and open, um, but at the same time, kind of 
not giving away everything that would, you know, maybe compromise other people's trust, you know, because yeah. often, you know, I'm talking about my family and, you know, and it, and it is very sensitive. And, and I think we spoke about this mm. together when we were talking about these things, you know, we, you know, we want to be so open um, and we want to be personal, but, you know, you have to also respect the, you know, the other people around you. Yes. So it, it's kind of a balance. It's finding a balance uh, in that um, and finding your voice as well through that. Yes, because so. I think, I mean, I think that's the eternal dilemma of the kind of mm. memoirist or life writer. And okay. I mean, I've been so I've been putting together these courses lately for people who write from life. And I absolutely love doing it. But I think Wonderful. one of the parts of that I've really wrestled with is is the ethical component. Like, how do you teach people about the ethics of being someone who mm. like when you write from your own life, you always touch on other people's. And that's crunchy, isn't it? absolutely um yeah so i've often sometimes when i've written pieces i've actually had to you know um you know just check with with my brother or my sister or my mom and go, mm. Look, I'm, I'm talking about this is really personal to all of us um so is this all right is the way i'm saying this okay for you and you know and often they're like yeah no that's fine mm. because i'm always conscious conscious of that that you know this is their emotions as well that i'm talking about it's not only my own because we have this shared grief or shared loss you know when yeah. when we lost my, my father for example so you know conveying that in a public space is it can be really daunting mm. but also it can be really empowering um you know and sharing some of my experiences in you know in public you know I've, I've had the most incredible responses to yeah. it you know not only from from strangers but also from my own family members because it's like a you know you process your grief in a certain way and yes. I've, I've certainly been able to do that I've certainly been able to process you know those times in my life that have been traumatic or painful mm. and you know that that writing it really does help as you you know you completely know yes, you know yeah. it really does help you kind of yeah. you know channel that and I understand how you're feeling about about those 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 moments in hindsight and at the time mm. um so yeah it's it's definitely my, my writing has definitely helped me and I and I hope um also my, my family members yeah and I I mean I sometimes get some kind of askance comments about um why on earth I'd write about my own dirty laundry essentially <laughs> um and yeah, yeah I it is hard I mean and I that process of writing can be really painful and kind of gut-wrenching and oh, yeah. it drags out all your shame and all of your kind of self-loathing sometimes and your definitely your grief it's definitely there's always oh, definitely. A, a you know sort of stuff that surfaces that you still feel terrible about um yes yeah you're absolutely right <laughs> like you know it is it's, it is gut-wrenching like when mm. you're writing it's not easy you know no. it's not easy to write uh, in this way in this open way and digging deep into your soul and yes. just like bringing it out you know I was really nervous about some of the the way it would be um you know the reactions to some of my writing mm. um what I was saying like you know when I uh, the Guardian like commissioned me to write uh, something a moment that changed uh, my life you know uh, you know mm. or the one thing that that worked and I was like well you know there are a few things but like <laughs> one of them was my broken engagement where that just kind of went really bad and yeah. like you know talking about that was was difficult and I was really I was scared and I was feeling a little bit sick about it actually yeah, yeah. um well, you know, but, it, so that's really great that we're going to talk about that today <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that's the segue you can, yeah you can I'm feel sick all over again Ramona I'm giving oh, you that opportunity great. right now 
Oh, that's good. I've got lots of clothes around me, so it's all right. I can absorb it. <laughs> I'm so glad you're in your protective wardrobe. <laughs> I am. I am in my little room of my wardrobe. <laughs> but I, I, I mean, I, because I read that article and I thought it was wonderful. And that's why I wanted to talk to you about it. Um, but I think one of the things that 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 does when I read about that story is that it tells me a very different story about Muslim women that I guess we don't hear very much um yeah and I I think that's one of the really important things that life writing does um Mm. so tell Mm. me first of Mm. all about the plans you had how did you Mm. how did you meet your partner and and Mm. what was the what was the deal yeah. So this was a long, long time ago. Um, I was in my 20s. I think I was around 24. So this is well over 15 yeah, years ago. That's a long and, time ago. Um, and I, you know, as a good Muslim girl, I didn't really have any relationships at all uh, growing up. Mm. Um, I remember at school when we used to go to like, <laughs> you know, parties or whatever, I used to, used to stay away from everybody and there was like all these kind of like discos and I'd be oh, sitting on the sidelines watching everybody else, you know, yeah. those school discos. And, you know, and I was, you know, I was brought up with, you know, freedom and, you know, liberal values and Islamic values. And, you know, and I just I knew that, you know, boys were kind of off limits. Um, so when I met my ex-fiance, I was you know, quite naive, um, a bit of a romantic. And I met him outside of a traditional setting, which is like normally at that time we'd have people come over, mm. you know, suitors come over to the house to meet you. I and love like, that word, you know, suitor. Suitor. I know it's so it's so like archaic. No, it sounds great. I'd love to have had suitors. (laughs) I know it's like Jane Austen time or something, you know. Um so we used to have like people call up, there used to be some kind of like auntie network and they would call up the house and call my mum and say, Oh, I know a a suitable boy um who is, you know, whatever height, whatever like skin colour. It's so stupid. Um there is so much colorism in the Asian communities as well. Um so and then they would come over with their parents and probably their entire families sometimes. And um, yeah, we just sit very awkwardly in, in the living room and have samosas and tea and kind of chat marriage. And then- That and sounds then incredibly we... awkward. Oh, it was so terrible. Oh, it was honestly the worst experiences of my life. Um, terrible. <laughs> um, so when I kind of met my ex-fiance, it was beyond that setting. So I met him at some demonstration in London, my first demo that I went to, wow. and I was like, like, right on. And um, yeah, and it was, and it felt like, oh, this is it. This is free from all that kind of cultural setting. And and this was, like, I just met him and I quite liked him and he liked me. And yeah, and so I kind of was on cloud nine a little mm. bit and couldn't believe that someone liked me as well. So <laughs> <laughs> that was a bit of a shocker. Now, now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, everything's so artificial normally and, you know, nothing was organic. So this kind of happened a bit more organically. So I was quite excited and, you know, told my parents about him. Um, They weren't that happy because, you know, at the time he, you know, he didn't really have a a good job. Um, He didn't have a degree. And, you know, with Asians, it's like, you know, you've got to, you know, give financial security to my daughter. So that that for that reason, they, they weren't too happy. But, you know, when they saw how happy I was, they they accepted it mm. and they were happy for me and they told the world about it and so the whole world knew about my engagement like even the taxi driver the local taxi driver knew about it you know that's just the nature <laughs> of how like Asians are they just like it's an, a hot it's an entire community getting married when it's you getting married you know everyone is in on it yeah so um and like 
actually throughout um, my my you know knowing him and my relation relationship with him, it was actually there were so many alarm bells ringing that I kind of just dismissed because I thought, no, I I met him and yeah. you know I'm the one that brought him home and you know it, I, it, this can't be right. He he's he's perfect. You know it, my I'm the issue. So I kind of dismissed a lot of those kind of doubts and those niggles um, mm. about him. Uh, I don't really want to talk about. I'm going to focus on, on, on my own feelings of it. That comes you know, back to those ethics that we, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that we kind again, of try those and ethics, yes. Those ethics are coming in. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, and I eventually kind of had this huge panic attack right. a week before our engagement where oh I goodness. couldn't breathe. I couldn't eat um, and this all happened at his mother's house and it was horrible and my mum was with me and my sister we'd gone like kind of shopping for like engagement gifts for each other mm. and yeah and I and I think that's where it came to a head you see because I kept you know you know brushing it under the carpet mm. thinking oh we'll be okay I just need to get through this and get to the engagement and then this huge like my body literally just you know you know yeah. conked out oh yeah and, I know that only um, too well and I often you, think yeah that, you know yeah that. I know I know all about those um <laughs> in fact by the time I left school I couldn't get into school without having one other it was really fun times oh. um but yeah and but I often think that panic attacks are something that arrives when you're ignoring your feet you know you've ignored your feelings for too long and your body just finds this way of going no come on you yeah. know here I am Yes, yes, that's exactly what it was. Mm. It was like, okay, you're not listening to me. Your mind is not listening. Yeah. You're not listening to your mind. So, right, I'm gonna, I, the I'm body gonna has to make act. you listen. Yeah, it, and it did. It really did. Well, it almost did. Um, so I kind of was pretty flawed at that time. Mm. But I was kind of, I was speaking to some members of my family, and I was just describing how I was feeling. And one of them, my brother, was like, "I think you're basically you. You're depressed." Wow. And your brother um, is, is it, he's a doctor, isn't he? He's a doctor. Yeah, yeah he's a doctor. And um, yeah, and he said, look, you know, do you want to go on, go on pills? You know, do you want to have Prozac? Mm. Or I was like, listen, I don't want any, any antidepressants. I, I need to get through this in my own way. Mm. Um, so I literally turned to my faith. That was the only thing I could cling to because I felt like I was plunged into this place where yeah. It was just a dark place of complete loneliness, mm. and um, so the, yeah, I only had my faith, and and you know, and there was this. There's this verse in the Quran that says that God is closer to you than your jugular vein, <laughs> and I'd never felt the meaning of that until until that time. Like, wow, no, yeah. you know, just that really came to me because I felt like nobody was really hearing me. Mm, um, mm. And so I kind of turned to my face, but then I still I I still went through with the engagement. <laughs> and um, I, it was the unhappiest day of my life. Um, oh my I was just goodness, looking at the photos so thinking sad. I looked dead behind the eyes. Wow. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, but, you know, we had, it was like a big party because we don't do things by half. We had like a marquee <laughs> in the garden, a cake. I mean, I oh mean, it, it was like a wedding. It was like a mini wedding. And everyone in, my, all my relatives in India knew. And everyone was calling. Oh my gosh, wow. it was just dreadful. Um, the stakes and I thought, are okay, so high. So high. Then so high yeah. so yeah it wasn't just you know my own kind of like um trauma i was dealing with it was like you know thinking about what kind of trauma and pain would i bring to everyone else mm. as well if mm. i if i say no and i can't do this um but i eventually did i eventually did do that um and it was really 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 difficult right. um 
you know, and I kind of lost sense of, of who I was in that in that process. I think you you say so beautifully in your book, like you fall into gaps of somewhere else. Mm, yeah. And I and I was reading that thinking I fell into the gaps of someone else as right. well. That's interesting. You know, and I didn't yeah. recognize myself. I lost sense of who mm. I was. I forgot how to smile. Oh, I kept beating so... myself up, you know, and can I thought how you know, even I remember one uncle saying to me, you know, we you know, we trusted you we trusted your judgment and he was just so surprised and that made me feel even worse wow that's quite um, a harsh comment though isn't it because i know does have that level of mm. judgment about i mean that's you know choosing a partner is the hardest oh, choice you're you know if, if you position yeah. it as a choice you know it's the yeah. hardest thing to do because you just cannot tell everything about somebody else and you can't tell yeah. everything about yourself even you don't know what you gonna feel yeah. like you know 10 years yeah. down the line it's it's a tricky tricky decision to make really. oh totally totally and it's it is it is kind of almost unforgivable in a way <laughs> mm. <laughs> with with me I, I i didn't i certainly couldn't forgive myself for a really long time because i thought you know i've brought everybody to this point it's my fault you know i didn't trust my judgment early enough you know and i was the one who's pushing it because i was this silly romantic who didn't, <laughs> was totally inexperienced and you know uh I I just beat myself up way way too much mm. and 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 also there was this this time where I thought okay now I need to choose just before I made the decision to break it off I was like I literally have destiny in my hands like what do I choose you wow. know do I you know whatever I choose is my path so I was like okay so do I break it off or do I go for it because actually in a way breaking it off was much harder yeah definitely you know, go doing it would have been easier because it would have been the easy one. But then ultimately, it would have been the worst thing for me. So I just had to do it completely on my own, and I and I decided. And it took me a long time to recover. Um, I wow. think the first time I smiled was about three months later or something. Oh my goodness! Um, yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> it was really bad. It was really bad. I'm laughing now, but you know, it it was it was it was extraordinarily um, difficult and dark. And you know, I didn't even I didn't even say the word uh, depression really until much much later. Yeah. Because um, it's something that you think, oh no, that this doesn't happen to me. It happens to other people. You know, why would it happen to me? But I, I do now recognise that I was depressed. I, I, do you know what? I actually think we've forgotten that you and I come. I mean, like, like I'm 42. I'm not going to give your age away, but we're in the same class <laughs> in school. And <laughs> well, yeah, <I'm> now. <laughs> so it's important to be honest, but not all the time. But, but actually, <laughs> sorry, couldn't resist that one. Um, but when we were growing up, like depression was not normalised. I don't think. And yeah. it was not talked about in the way it's spoken about now. And I'm so it grateful. It, is. it yeah. was taboo. Ooh. And I I had, you know, I was first diagnosed with depression when I was uh, 16. And oh I remember a member of my family saying, you can't be depressed. Like that doesn't happen to yeah. people your age, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, like not only did I feel terrible because I was depressed, but also I felt terrible that I'd kind of bought this humiliation which meant that we as a family were somehow faulty uh, you know as well as me personally and oh gosh you know oh gosh I can feel that pain I can feel it right now (gasps) yeah and I you know had having to go into school and talk to it you know talk Mm. to kind of random teachers about it you know who our head of year was at that point and whether you'd want to tell Mm. her about your depression (laughs) 
and gosh. yeah I like we forget how much that conversation's changed for the better and how much more open we are about mm. it but I can well imagine that well, it's only recent though isn't it so I mean, it recent very yeah. recent yeah, yeah yeah and I can very imagine how hard it was for you to recognize it you know mm. to see it for what it was because the information wasn't really there yeah no exactly exactly and when you're not really recognizing it you're kind of very scared of it mm. and you know and, and also with the whole cultural background you know it was it was even like like a double taboo right and then like a triple taboo with like my muslim background but even though you know there is recognition of trauma and pain mm. within that tradition and you know and reassurance as well which you know i only really found it in my faith and and you know a lot of my friends were even like you know what's going on because i couldn't yeah. really explain what was going on i kept saying look he's just not right for me and I couldn't explain to them why but there was something in my gut and mm. in my core that was telling me do not do this yeah so yeah so I was kind of even do this guidance prayer I was doing a guidance prayer at the time um <clears throat> that Muslims do when they kind of want to take a decision right and um that sounds handy can we all do that? <laughs> it is very <laughs> can we borrow that? it's a very good get out clause as well <laughs> yeah yeah I've, I've used like it's called like my my kind of like god disclaimer so i'm like you know it's not in the, my destiny god hasn't written it for me so you know i'm not meant to be with you um so <laughs> so i kind of it was like it basically kind of goes along the lines of you know if this thing is good for me then you know you know bring me closer to it mm. and you know make it good for for me and my end and then and if it's bad for me then just you know remove me from it and right. remove it from me so um you know but it's it's for people who are kind of a bit more uncertain i kind of did it for an assurance that it was a confirmation of what i had i already felt deep down inside yeah and um it yeah. did and every time i thought about breaking it off i did feel some kind of relief so that's, that's so why I just I did it. I did it, and very literally, just a few months later, I broke off the engagement. And I remember telling my my dad, like it was, I think it was Ramadan at the time, and um, oh, that's a good moment. To pick. <laughs> a very good moment. I'm like, okay, this is a good month to use. And he, because he didn't know, my mom was like, you know, don't tell him yet, because you know he he was so excited, mm. and you know he was also not well at the time. So he, you know, he came home from the mosque, and I was waiting up for him, and. Um, I said, you know, Dad, I I just need to talk to you. I I just can't. I can't do this. Wow. I can't marry this guy. And he was literally held me, hugged me on, oh. on the sofa, and it was just the most reassuring moment for me. Yeah. Like he just he just said, like, don't worry about everything. I will I will sort everything out. I will tell everybody. You don't need to worry. <gasps> That gives and me I chills. was just like, oh, it was just the most amazing. I was just crying. And uh, yeah, and I just felt so much, so much comfort and reassurance. And, um, you know, and he and he really did. He really he he kind of said he, he was the one that called it off. Um, wow. And, you know, he wrote letters to, to all like kind of the important relatives. And it it. It just he took so much pressure off my shoulders, mm. um, you know, and, and and it was a way it was kind of like, you know, trying to like so it comes from a kind of a place of of like authority as well. So yeah. that people won't say won't question it so much. You won't go, oh, what's going on? What are you talking about? You know, so he kind of removed that. For he me. kind of shielded you. I mean, that's shielded me. A beautiful yeah, thing did. to give to your children, I think. Yeah. If you yeah. can just and shield so them grateful. from a little bit of harm. Um, while yeah. they're figuring the hard stuff out, I think that's a that's a wonderful yeah. thing to do. Wow! Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I'll never ever forget that. You know, and like people absorb 
your wintering as well like you know you know there is this even for myself there's an empathy of wintering where you take on other people's sadness and grief mm. and you know it does help it's kind of distributed a bit more isn't it yeah um yeah. and you know it you know sometimes that empathy it, it just becomes your own winter doesn't it when when people are going through that because yeah. you're so close to that person you can take yeah, small I, bits away from people can't you You can just lift the burden and yeah. share it for a while yeah sharing is it really it really helps so much and and not only with your own family members but also with you know with just general people mm. like you know the, the 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 article that i wrote had so many hits worldwide it apparently wow. had like one hundred and sixty thousand hits like in the first week or something and you know so that means that there was this this recognition um you know yes. people go through this pain there's this collective sense of it collective sense of, of wintering going on and the collective sense of the resilience as well so mm. people kind of saw that and i got so many messages saying i've been through something really similar mm. um and that kind of assured me and at the same time really alarmed me because <laughs> i'm like oh no everyone's going through this pain but at the same time you're like you know this is life this is what human beings go through and yes you know and it's exactly. these are all lessons and they build us they build they you know we have to be broken down in order to be built yeah. up again yeah. and you know just to get you know have those those scars but you know you carry them with with more wisdom and more kind of clarity and you know going forward so it's mm. you know that was very overwhelming for me to you know to to have that that kind of empathy from people and um it, it you know you realize how deep it goes you know how how deep these roots go it's, in all of us it's that moment of feeling part of a big human community which I think we glimpse yeah. so rarely but often we glimpse that in our moments of intense pain actually and, and when we see other and, and actually that takes me right back to what I was talking about when we started about life writing just gives us those points of contact with other human beings and their humanity and their commonality with you yeah. mm. that that and that is the best writing isn't it oh for when me there is every resonance. time when yeah like when people can recognize themselves and their emotions and their experiences in your words mm, you know it's the most incredible feeling what a privilege to be able to write that too I mean I honestly I'll never stop being grateful for, <laughs> for being able to put that most Absolutely. painful material out there and and to always have that find a mirror that reflects me back at myself I think that's just yes yeah yeah definitely like you you, that's it that's exactly what it is it is a mirror mm. and you know and also you you're you're giving a sense of um kind of your like honor to to what you've gone through yes it, 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 there is a dignity to it you know yes. in the way you're conveying it and you know and that is what people will also recognize you're not just kind of like i'm, I'm sending this all this out there, all this stuff out there for sympathy and people kind of going yeah going, oh, i feel you glad you, you yeah. know <laughs> you know there is integrity there and mm. you know people really appreciate that you're being authentic and yes. you're being open um and 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 you're being dignified about it as well well i think so, i think it yeah. returns dignity to it because often the whole experience is very chaotic and yeah it's not ever you never get your narrative arc you know you never get your kind of perfect sort of beginning middle and end and sense of closure but mm. that creation of the story of it I think helps to reintegrate everything and returns the dignity to that to the moment I suppose 
Yeah, that was beautifully said. That was beautifully put. I'm yeah, loving this. Definitely. This is I. This is it says everything to me about writing as a kind of spiritual practice, actually, and a, as an mm. act of prayer, almost as an act of oh, yeah, worship. Exactly. It. Somehow of of something that's bigger than you are, even if that's intangible. Um, you mm. sound like a you sound like a Sufi Muslim. That, this is exactly. <laughs> That is exactly That's it. That's never been said before, but I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it is. It honestly is. It is. It is sacred. Yeah, mm. what we're writing is sacred because our existences are sacred. Yeah. So yeah. you know when we're, and and we are all spiritual beings. Mm. You know whatever our beliefs are, we are all spiritual beings, and you know there is something deep within us that we need to convey to the world and when people recognize that and there's a bridge there there is a beautiful universality yeah of, of spirit Absolutely. And, and and love and compassion and understanding and, and you know and i think you know your your writing does that and it does it so beautifully that, i try very you know, hard me... to do that you know <laughs> <laughs> well, but only because... it's hard you know it is hard it is hard it's, it's not really easy hard. but i um, also think like you know like I come from a an atheist kind of culturally Christian background um where spirit I had I had no um template for discussing my spiritual sense of the world um and was very wary of it too because you know religion was always taught to me as kind of control and something to be resisted um Mm. and so I kind of wanted to communicate with people like me who are a bit wary of um, any anything that's got rules behind it, but who want that yeah. spiritual engagement with the world. That's that's definitely my aim. But it's very hard to talk about that in the UK specifically as well. I think I, that conversation is much easier in America. Yeah, yeah. We're no, kind of... I completely yeah. So there is a move towards like more, you know, spirituality via like kind of mindfulness and mm. things like that. It, it, there is this need and yearning for it mm. um you know and, and for me personally like you know I've obviously I've I've been brought up in a religious uh setting and yeah. upbringing but you know and I wasn't I wasn't someone who liked rules either <laughs> um you know and I didn't want I never wanted to approach it like a set of do's and don'ts you know for me it was just about expressing who I was it was very liberating mm. you know it was like you know seeing the beauty of my faith and seeing you know how it can open up so many doors to me and also make me really understand who I am and you know help me in self-development so I kind of that's how I approached my faith and I still approach my faith in that way I just see it as very dynamic and very nuanced Mm. um you know people always try and put it in a box and it really it it, is not it does not belong in a box you know it belongs everywhere and and I think it belongs to everyone as well yeah you know because that's that's the sacredness in in all of us and that's what lets you be of such service to other people as well that's that's what you that's you know that's how you feed it back into the world you know you take in that wisdom and you go out and and it helps it helps yes that's exactly what the right yeah what the writing is all about as well yeah. like that's what you're doing like it is a service it's also it's a service to yourself and to others yeah and it is bringing benefit you know and that's why we do need to be honest and, and you know, honesty is 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 a challenge but it ultimately it is it is something that is a human experience that everybody will appreciate and recognize mm. and you know we'll grow from each other's experiences 
and you know I feel like I you know you grow every time you read anything it is there yeah. is a growth in there it's definitely a like a plant or a seed that just keeps growing and growing and I love that's why I love reading um (laughs) and experiences and I always want to know about everybody else's lives like what's going on with you (laughs) not in the way of like kind of celebrity gossip but you know what people go through like I think I was listening to uh was it uh Sheryl Sandberg's oh um, right Desert Island Discs was it I I hadn't caught that oh it was just I think it was just about her losing her husband right yeah that's Sheryl Sandberg yeah and it was so oh my god you're crying with her you're Mm. feeling that pain with her and that recognition of pain is so important like you know i feel like grief personifies in each one of us and it becomes Mm. like two people who recognize each other when you so when you're you know you know i guess like so you know me seeing listening to what you've gone through and your loss you know it it helps you doesn't it yes kind of you know you do see it as 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 a as a person yeah almost um you know and and your grieving self meets other grieving selves i think those those two can always be in dialogue whenever you meet someone who's lost someone those those two parts of your of each person can always talk (laughs) there's always something there even in the silence like honestly like Mm. your souls just like can hear each other yeah it's just it is incredible and i and i felt that with you know one of my closest friends had a you know she lost her baby in a Mm. stillbirth and it was one of the darkest moments of her life and and of mine yeah you know because i kind of took on her pain and her trauma and then you know, it also happened in our own family where my sister lost her her baby. And that also, again, because I was kind of almost prepared for it with my friend, it just happened right. recently before wow. that loss. It, it, it kind of prepared me for that in a way, um, mm. you know, but then I, it, the pain was so deep, like you feel yeah, like- It's hard to imagine is, deeper you, pain you than that. You actually feel the heartbreaking. It's yeah. actually- actually feel the cracks you felt the cracks mm. um so i'd ne- I, and i thought i knew pain i thought i knew pain <laughs> and then you know pain's just like yeah no this is this is how it feels this is how it can really feel yeah, you know that's so life for you. <laughs> that is life you don't know pain really lady. Is. yeah yeah and just watching how my friend and my sister just you know came out of that and how they found the strength to come out of that was extraordinary and it gave me strength as well it was kind of like a symbiotic uh, kind of relationship yeah. going on like you know we were kind of I was supporting and then she was supporting me and it was yeah it was extraordinary it's, it's extraordinary this empathy is just you know of wintering is extraordinary it's a um, it's a, a wonderful thing I this has been like the best conversation that I've had for years with anyone <laughs> like I've got absolute chills it's just so beautiful and um I just me too yeah it's really lovely <laughs> we could just sit here and have a little cry now couldn't we you... <laughs> yeah I mean I think we probably will need to yeah, afterwards maybe, maybe I might have a cup of tea in a minute um I want to oh, ask no, you one tea, final thing before, <laughs> before we go off for our little individual cries um did you <laughs> did you come to a point after many years after after all the kind of pain and the embarrassment of breaking off that engagement and all of those that big cluster of feelings and the confusion did you ever come to a point of clarity about why you needed to do it wow that's a big one um (laughs) hey we're doing big ones today that's where we are big big endings big (laughs) endings i think that i had clarity 
even like even around the time that I made the decision. Mm. But you know, I, I knew that I was doing the right thing, so I never ever had regret about the decision that I made to break it off. Yeah. But the clarity it, it became clearer as I went along because I actually heard things that reconfirmed that I made right. the right decision from others, other right. people's experiences of that person. Um, so, yeah, there were, but you know, for years I couldn't give, forgive myself mm. until mm. I think this was many years afterwards, I kept beating myself up about it. And then I think I went to some talk by a, a Muslim scholar and he said, look, you know, you keep asking God for forgiveness, but you need to forgive yourself. You need to know that that prayer has been accepted and answered mm. and then you've got to let it go you just got to let it go you because i kept praying over and over for the like, same i kept saying yeah. i'm sorry i'm so sorry i've done this and then and that there was a moment of release where i was like okay i'm not going to make this prayer i'm not going to offer this prayer anymore i'm going to let it fly i'm just mm. i've done it i've done with it and i know that i've been forgiven and i know that it's it set me free now. I, I, why am I chaining myself in this way? It was like shackles, you put yeah. invisible shackles on yourself. And then, and that's, I think probably that's my real moment of, of clarity. And that's true um, faith, faith that your prayers are actually answered, you know? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, um, a, and faith yeah, that you and can. And believing in yourself that you made the right decisions. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, these what ifs and why didn't I do this? And, you know, they just destroy you. Mm. And you need to nurture yourself, not not kill yourself. Yeah. You know, so I it really helped. That really helped me. And um, actually, that entire experience now, it was a huge lesson for me, and it built up who I am. It really did because I it enabled me to kind of dive deep into my emotions and to understanding myself better. Oh, I can so, tell, I can yeah. tell. I mean, I, I, you know, like when you meet someone that you knew kind of then and now, I think you're probably yeah. more aware of the contrast than most, but you are so, oh, I don't know, self-actualized <laughs> is a really naff term. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, no, let's use it, let's use it. <laughs> let's do it, let's do it. But I, you, you are, you inhabit yourself fully in a way that not many people do, I don't think. And it, it just shows, it shows. You've you've grown so much wisdom since I last knew you and it's extraordinary. Yeah, since I was that silly girl at school. Oh, were <laughs> we all? Oh my days, I just, mm. No, that's really, no, I really appreciate that though. No, I do, that was, that was really lovely, really nice to hear. And I'm taking it and I'm gonna like take that sound bite and play it back to myself every morning. Yeah, <laughs> I wish I had you self-actualized now. I just feel like that's naff language. <laughs> but you know what I mean, my heart was in the right place. No, I no, I completely know what you mean though. Like there is, there is this, you're, there is a comfort there um, mm. and a confidence in who, you're, uh, in who you are, in your sense of self. And it's a learn, it's a constant journey though, Catherine. I have to say yeah. like, I still, I still get so much self-doubt and, you know, confidence issues and, and, and anxiety. Yeah. And it's a constant battle. But you know what your strengths are. You know what your weaknesses are better, uh, you know, at this time in our lives than, you know, perhaps in our, when we were at school or mm -hmm. in my 20s when I was going through that experience. Yeah. And, you know, kind of kind of a journey into yourself is so, so crucial and so revealing. And mm. these emotions 
you know, we, we're still learning. We're still learning within them. Like, you know, I don't, I still, I don't know what love is still. I still don't know what grief really is. You know, it's, mm. it's a, it's a constant, constant learning curve. And I, a constant I just journey. think that we, we don't talk about ourselves as a work in progress enough. And like, if mm. we ever give each other the impression that anyone can be fixed and have it sorted once and for all then we're doing great harm mm, <laughs> definitely the, yeah the journey is the point and um yeah yeah and i yeah we like, haven't got it sorted oh, it's not like oh yeah i've done that and now i know everything you know i don't even want to get it sorted i mean can you imagine how no. boring it would be if you you had it sorted but we you <laughs> yeah, know exactly. we carry on kind of cycling through change and every yeah. time we cut it's a spiral rather than a circle so we move up a little bit maybe um hopefully mm. if we if we take enough time to reflect but maybe we don't always manage to do that um mm. but it's never gonna stop that's not the point of this you know <laughs> yeah that's yeah that's absolutely not how this works and i i think that too much of our culture talks about okay here's how it's done like stuff solvable and that is that we have to start seeing that's totally undesirable and totally yeah. unwise and totally cold it's not even interesting to me at all. I'm, totally, yeah. I, like the I mean, work. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It is. I mean, it was. It's what keeps us alive, really, isn't it? Mm. You know, and 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 ticking, and you know, it's. It, oh, I just thought of something really clever to say, and it's gone now. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I thought of something, and it's literally oh, gone. But just think, ain't just that know, it was going to be the best thing. It was going to be the best thing on oh, this podcast. <laughs> I know I'd have felt nourished by it. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's oh, so that's funny. I'm so sorry. I don't know where it went. It really, it went somewhere. No, we felt it. Um, we felt it. You downloaded it. It's fine. We've did all got you, it. Yeah. Did you feel it? I did. I did. I did. Basically, whatever you said. I'll just say that again. Oh, Ramona, thank you so much for agreeing no, to talk to me you. and for just saying such amazing things that have given me chills. It's just been wonderful. Thank you. Likewise, likewise. Everything you've said has just been beautiful oh. and spectacular and meaningful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank it's you. been wonderful. <laughs> And that's all for this week's episode and indeed for this first series. Thank you to everyone who's listened and thanks again to all my brilliant guests. I promise you there are many more lined up for the autumn. If you've loved the wintering session so far, please click like or subscribe to help others to find it too. And don't forget my book Wintering is available in all good bookstores. See you in a couple of months. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.